Well, I have a pleasure of, of introducing our guest speaker here. Uh, Mark Fields has uh, been a, a very good friend. Mark is, he has, uh, I could say so many things about Mark. He's the, on the board of directors for the Association of Vineyard Churches. He is the director of Vineyard Missions that are sent out out of the United States. And, and actually, he'll share a little bit more about this, but do you know there are far more vineyards outside of the United States that have been planted and uh, are overseas than churches, vineyard churches in the United States. That's a good, good thing. Mark, what I appreciate most about Mark is he, he's a leader of leaders and he, he leads with his life, not just with his words. I, I've known him, as I said, for a, a number of years now and I'm consistently challenged. The, probably the, the most important thing I could say about Mark is he is a passionate follower of Jesus, and those are the kind of men and women that I like to be around. So, Mark, I'm sure glad you're able to be with us this weekend, and uh, we just give you our time and our attention. Let's hear it for Mark. Well, good morning. You know, it, it really is always a pleasure to be here. I've been, I spoke here I guess two years ago or a year and a half ago, and I've been here for meetings. Um, my wife and I have three children and two grandchildren, and we have three goddaughters, and, and they're really a part of our family. We've known their mom for, I don't know, 20-plus years. She lived in our home for a year when she was going through a really difficult time, and especially when their marriage broke up. Uh, we've just been a part of those girls' lives. One's in Uganda now, one's going to school in New England, and, and one's in Phoenix where they live. And they, they're with us for, for the holidays, uh, always for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so this year, the one that's still around with her mom drove out from Phoenix. It's a five-hour drive to where we live in Southern California. And, and, and the daughter, who's a freshman and sophomore in college now, she said, as I turned the corner I, and saw your house, I just could relax. She said, I knew this was home. And I thought, you know what, that's how I feel when I drive up here. I mean, I, I, I've commented on the building because I love your building, but I think what I really like about it is it reflects the heart of who you are and the sense of hospitality. And I had no idea what had happened with Helen, but I remember the last time I was here, I got my hugs. And I imagine there's a massive loss when that isn't happening. And so it is, it is really a joy to be here. Um, I, I shared last night a story. I wasn't planning to do it because I'm kind of holding on to it. So we, we've been for the last few days with, gathered with the vineyard pastors from the region here and spending some time with each other and with Jesus. And, and I hinted at one of the things going on around the world, but I, I wouldn't tell them what it was because I'm going to share it at the, uh, the National Leadership Gathering next month, which is all the regional and area leaders um, from the vineyard in the United States. And, and I didn't want to lose my thunder if it got out, so I just hinted at it. But last night, they promised me that they wouldn't tell anybody if I told them this story. And it, I, I don't know how if I frame it well enough for you to realize what a big deal it is, but I, I hinted at it. And so one of the guys at the, at the retreat these last few days is a guy from Ghana. He's planning out of the Cooper Road Church. And uh, so he came up to me and he goes, because this is about Ivory Coast, which is another country in the West, uh, West Africa. And he goes, he, goes, he goes, I won't be at that meeting. He goes, you got to tell me, okay, what's happening? So I told him what I'm about to tell you. And then he quizzed me really hard and he looked at me with tears in his eyes and he goes, I don't know how much you know but, about this, but he goes, that is a miracle. And so what it is, is I've been on this journey, which I will talk about in a moment. And, and one of the... 
a bit of the fruit of that is that we um, began the vineyard work in Ivory Coast one, one year ago this month is when I was there. And I was there supporting the work of the Merrillville Vineyard, Merrillville, Tennessee. And they've begun to, to work in Ivory Coast and some, gathered some folks and tra- begun the training process of, of them going out to plant churches. And we had gone all the way up. It was a, a long, long drive on not particularly great roads up to this area. And we'd gone as far north in the, Ivory, the nation of the Ivory Coast um, as we could towards the Mali border before it got too dangerous for folks like me to be there. And so I'm always up for an adventure, but I'm not stupid. So I, I, ha- I have limits where I'll go this far, but I'm, I'm not usually going that far. So we had gone to that limit. And, and there we gathered some folks and did some training on, on both the vineyard values and what the vineyard is about, and then also a really simple model of Bible study that helps people hear God for themselves through God's Word, the Bible, and then take some steps to obey that. And it's one of the groups that I had been spending time with and learning from. And again, I'll tell you a bit of that story in a moment. And, and they take very seriously an interesting verse. It's in John chapter 6. I think it's verse 44. And Jesus is speaking and he says, Those who have heard the Father and been taught by him will come to me. And I'd never noticed that verse before until I started hanging out with these folks. And they, like, take that really seriously. And so they've determined that if they can help people hear God for themselves through the Scriptures, they see those people come to Christ. So this is a very replicatable model. It's very simple. It comes out for those that write. It's in sort of three columns. And it just, it, it, it kind of is similar if you maybe were around InterVarsity to an inductive model. If you're familiar with Lexio Divina, which is a, a, has a long history in the church, which is a way of, again, looking at a passage and hearing what God's speaking and then responding to that. It's very similar to that. And so this was initiated one year ago this month in a totally Muslim area, absolutely no Christian presence in in the vast majority of these villages. And so I just got a report from someone who had been there last week, and now 33 villages have groups gathering in one year. 200 people have made a commitment to Christ. And I wish I, I, if I were thinking ahead I would have got the picture up there for you it's on my phone but 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 uh, several of them have now built their first church buildings now they don't look like this but you know what they weren't built with dollars they were built with with central African francs their currency and they have a thatched roof and actually the walls are just they're not even studs they're like poles made out of made out of trees and they have these little benches and the one that we have the picture of they 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 held their first service on Christmas Eve, and it didn't end until Christmas Day. These folks are brand new followers of Jesus. And it isn't contingent on a bunch of Americans or outsiders being there. It's one person telling another person. There's a Sri Lankan theologian I like, Daniel Niles. And, and he, he said that evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. And these folks are sharing what's been life-giving to them. And this is totally God's work. And that's happening all over the world. And it's happening through churches like yours. And you've been a, a significant part of the good things that have happened in Brazil. And I don't need to tell you those stories. So God's working in a lot of ways, in a lot of places. And I've been on a journey the last 
couple of years, I, I actually thought it had ended, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm not sure whether I feel like I've just had a, a summer break or I was playing hooky, but, but I feel like God made it really clear that I, I had determined that my schooling process had stopped earlier than his schooling process for me. So I'm, I, I had been saying that this journey was over. It's not over, and I, I was a little slow to figure that out. So again, I don't know whether it was a planned vacation scheduled every year or whether I was playing hooky, but I'm, I'm back in it. And it's been a journey to learn from other groups what, where God is working, and this came out of a couple of things. First of all, it came out of a word that, that Candy Milano, who was on staff at the Cincinnati Vineyard, gave me a few years ago. And we have a big missions meeting in Colorado Springs every year where we gather the folks that are most involved in missions. And, and we just have a time that, that's inspiring and refreshing. And we do a lot of things to care for those folks. And it's always really good. And ministry's great. And it's just a great time. And at the end, the team that I work with, they've worked really hard. And so we have a weekend that we just spend time with Jesus and do things that are about our, our time with Jesus and being silent and hearing and being refreshed and praying and and, and celebrating what, what God has done. And so she came up to me, this is a few years ago now, and she said, you know, I have this word for you. Now I hear people say that to me fairly frequently, and, and I'm always a little bit cautious when somebody says that, because sometimes those are not all that helpful. Sometimes they're really good, but sometimes they're not all that helpful. But I trust Candy, and I know her, and, and so I was, I was open to that. And she looks at me, and she says to me, God is calling you back to kindergarten. Now, this is four months after I finished my Ph.D., and I have to tell you that I was mildly offended. I wondered if God had not got the graduation invitation if somehow he was unaware that I had done this, what they call a terminal degree, because there's not a degree higher than that. It's also a terminal degree because it nearly kills you. But, but, but I had finished this, and here is God saying, go back to kindergarten. So I started this process of negotiation. You know, some folks in the Bible did that too, but I'm not a very good negotiator. And so I thought, well, God, could I do this? Could I do this? Could I do this? And finally it's back, and he won. I'm in kindergarten. So you're looking this morning at a kindergartner. And I went to the person that I meet with monthly to talk about my spiritual life, and, and he started laughing when I said it. He said, that's for you. And he goes, you know, kindergartners, they play and they have fun and school's like half a day. And, and I said to him, don't expect to see me come skipping into your office. Like, like that's just not me. But then I started thinking about all those places where Jesus says that the people that inherit the kingdom of God are like little children. You know, I have a little granddaughter. I have two granddaughters, but one, one of them's going to be three next month. And she lives close to us, and we take care of her every week, and I love that little girl. And you know, everything's new for her. And the big difference for me from being a parent and being a grandparent is I, one of the big differences. I'm, I'm watching the development of those kids in a way that I didn't when I took care of them 24-7. And I'm watching her language acquisition and I'm watching her explore and I'm watching everything's new and I'm, I'm watching her. I, I'd spent some time in the South. I'm, it's kind of fun. I'm doing more stuff in the U.S. these days and getting to see my own nation um, where I've been all over the world, and, 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 and I was in the South a bunch over the last couple of years, and I picked up this phrase from them, you're cute as a bug. 
Now, that doesn't make any sense, right? Like, like, what the heck is that? Like, you're cute as a stink bug. You're cute as a beetle. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. But, but I, I like that. And so I looked at her and I go, I go, you're cute as a bug. And she looked at me and there's this confused look and you can see the gears in her little mind going. And she goes, no, I'm Emma. <laughs> and so there's just this excitement of learning. And I think that's what that's about, it's about not being the expert and the teacher. It's about being the child who explores. And so I, after I finally gave in, I, I'm, I'm really liking where I'm at. And then it was a few months later, and we had a transition. We're on the verge of a transition of leadership at the national level within the vineyard. And so it was a point where the, the leader that had led us for the last dozen years was retiring. A new leader had been chosen but was not yet installed. And so on Monday night of that leadership gathering, the, the, the current leader spoke. And then the next morning, the person who was coming in was going to speak. And his name is Phil Stroud. I think he's been here with you. And Phil's a longtime friend of mine. We've worked together for 20-some years. And we've switched multiple times who's sort of the leader of who. And, and so he worked for me, and now I work for him. And so that's kind of switched a couple of times and so he comes to me Monday night and he says now Mark he goes I want to share the stage tomorrow morning so I've invited a few people to come up there with me take part of the time and he said I want you to be one of those and he goes I don't want one of your stories he said I want you to give a biblical theology of mission and he said I want you to offer specific goals for the next 10 years and you have four minutes to do that so I picked one verse from Genesis and one verse from Revelation, and then the challenge was, what goal do I give? And I thought about that, and I, I realized that at that point, we'd seen about 800 churches planted around the world out of the United States. Now, it's much more than that, but that's about what it was then. And I thought, okay, we've seen about 800 churches over the last 10 years, so, so that'll be the goal for the next 10 years, 800 more churches. And then I thought, no, like, like, like we have momentum and more people are involved and they're helping. And, and, and all of a sudden that I thought, you know, we, 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 it, I got, this doesn't feel very faith-filled. I've got to stretch this a little bit. So let's, let's make this a thousand. And so I'm thinking about that. I'm kind of weighing the two. And then much to my embarrassment, I finally thought, gosh, maybe I ought to ask God what he wants. And my dream is, before I die, that that becomes the first thing I do, not that I wasn't the last thing, but it sure as heck wasn't the first thing. And so I, I, I prayed, and what I was really thinking is, God, here's two choices, you pick whichever I think you're saying, that's what I'm going to announce tomorrow morning. And unsurprisingly, God does what God always does, which is he's not limited by the box that I want to put him in. And so his choice was neither A nor B, as magnanimous as I was in offering him that choice. And he picked Y. And I heard God speak as clearly as I've ever heard in my life say to me, you, the vineyard, have learned to plant hundreds of churches. Now I want you to learn to plant thousands. It took me a little while to figure out what to do with that, but eventually I realized that I needed to go and I needed to spend time with people who had learned already that God had taught them how to plant lots of churches. 
And so I spent time in China with house church leaders. I was in the mountains of Honduras with a group that's planted hundreds of churches in this little quadrant of a little country in Central America and is changing the face of their nation. I spent time with the Fresh Expressions people in the UK. I spent time with people in Indonesia. I spent a month in Africa. I told you that at the end was that. Watching what God was doing. And it's been the most magnificent journey of my life. Because I've watched Jesus build his church. And it's messy, and it's out of control, and it's crazy, and it's full of life, and it is really cool. Jesus does good stuff. And as I analyzed what I had seen, I came out with 10 different things that I saw all of these groups had in common in spite of their differences of polity and theology and all kinds of differences, 10 things in common. And I want to talk to you about one of those this morning that isn't just relevant for leaders, it's relevant for all of us. And I realized that all of these 10 things were present in the vineyard movement at its inception. My roots in the vineyard go way back to when this thing very began. And so I saw those things, and one of the things that I saw in all of these is that the leaders and the participants in these churches were on an adventure with God. They'd never stopped going into new places because adventure is about exploration. It's not an adventure to go from your front door to your mailbox. You've done that a thousand times. But adventure means that I'm exploring and I'm pressing into new areas. I'm discovering new things. I'm walking where I've never walked before. In the early days of the vineyard, the conferences felt like meetings of the Explorers Club. And everybody was on an adventure with God and people would gather together and they'd say, I tried this and I tried this and I prayed this way and I put my hand here. And there were some foolish things, of course. And there were a lot of things that didn't work. But it wasn't about whether it worked or not. It was about trying to join with what God was doing on a regular basis and be a part of what God was doing. And everybody got to play. It wasn't about what happened on the stage. It was what happened out there and, out, and more importantly beyond the walls of the church and the community. And life happened because folks were on an adventure with God and the people that I met were on that adventure and they hadn't stopped. Out of the Jesus movement came three movements of churches that have been sustained. One is Calvary Chapel, the second one is Vineyard, and the third is a group called Hope Chapel. I don't know how much they're in this part of the country. But I spent a day with Ralph Moore who founded Hope Chapel out of one church in Hermosa Beach, California. 1,700 churches have been planted around the world. It's amazing. I spent a day with him two years ago. Ralph is 70 years old and he's planting a church again. He said, I have all my friends who are off golfing. He goes, but I, I, I'm doing this again. He's built two churches over 2,000, giving them away, and he's planting again. Now, he'll retire from pastoral ministry at the end of this year. Moved back to California, which is good for me because I like seeing him, and that's where I live. But that's not the end. That's not, he's still on the adventure. And when we talk about what God's doing, he fills with excitement, and it's electric, and it's real, and it's him. And, and all of the folks that I met are on that adventure still. Now, sometimes we get into trouble 
And one of the places that we get into trouble is that we, God starts something in us and we get a picture of where God wants to take us. And then somehow we get distracted from that beginning. And sometimes we settle down along the route. And we find that, that, that family and work that are supposed to be a part of the adventure, that we, we participate with God in those arenas of our lives, not just when we gather for church once a week or twice a week or whatever you do, but as we walk with God throughout the day that includes our lives and family and school and work, and sometimes those things have become a distraction and we forget God in the midst of that and we dive into those things. Sometimes we become the experts and we stop learning and sometimes we just get lazy and out of shape, but we end up settlers in a world that God intends us to remain as pilgrims and aliens, not just for a short time at the beginning of our journey with Jesus, but through the whole journey with Jesus. And we feel comfortable in this world and we fit, but what we've lost, what we've lost is that sense of the excitement of what God was doing when it all first began. And as I wrestled and thought about this biblically and reflected on it and wondered where to anchor this with Scripture, I looked at a number of verses, including the one I've alluded to from 1 Peter, where he talks about us as strangers and aliens, pilgrims. This is where I landed, is Galatians chapter 3. And listen to these words from Paul, and I'm going to highlight what's one of the phrases that he uses here in the third verse. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? And now here it is. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Paul is full of emotion when he writes these things. He says, what on earth is wrong with you people? Are you possessed? Are you hypnotized? Are you crazy to imagine that you can finish what God started in your life? It's, it's insane. Just because you know the goal, you know where God's taking you, doesn't mean that you know how to get there, nor do you have the means to get there. That what began in the Spirit, you're going to now finish? It's like I've seen Everest many times from an airplane. Like I love Kathmandu. I have good friends there. And I know what side to sit on flying in. And so I've seen, Everest, I've seen Everest many times. But the fact that I've seen Everest doesn't mean I know how to get to the top, nor do I have the capacity to do it. And to think that because I've seen the goal, I've had the vision, I've got the picture, means that I can get there is crazy. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying what God began in your lives for you to imagine that now you're going to make that happen is absolutely crazy. We don't have the power and we don't know the way and God wants to be our guide. He knows where we're going. He decides the route. He sets the pace. He gives us the power and he takes us on a journey that is unique to every single one of his daughters and sons. And it looks the same, but each one is special because of how he created us. 
And to try to do it in the flesh is crazy, and I won't take time this morning to read a passage from Jeremiah 17, but it's worth reading, 5 through 9 are the verses, 5 through 10 are the verses. And there's a deceitfulness to the flesh. We get sucked into believing that we can do something that we didn't start and that we really cannot do. And so what is this adventure that God asks us to join? Let me just give you a sense of what I think part of that is. And I think there's three aspects to this. The first one is upward towards God. And it's about knowing God. You know, there's a verse I really like. It's in, it's in John chapter 17, verse 3. And Jesus is praying. That's John 17 is Jesus' prayer. And he's praying to the, his Father and he says, And this is eternal life. That they, that's those of us that are following Jesus. Those of us that are in the process of moving towards Jesus. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Eternal life is not a quantity of life that begins at death and extends into eternity. Jesus says that eternal life is a quality of life that we can experience now that comes in knowing God. Not knowing about God. Theology is a good thing, and I've spent a lot of time studying it, but reading a book is not the same as knowing God. And God invites us to a journey in which we come to know him. I love the verses in the prophets that speak of the day that we live in. And in both Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they speak of a day coming, a day again that's our day, that we live in. And it talks there about God taking away a heart of flesh and giving, or a heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh. And he talks about no longer in those days will one person say to another, you ought to know God because they will all know me. God speaks through the prophet. And there's a knowing of God that comes by spending time with God. I don't just know about God. I don't just have good theology. I just don't have the I's dotted and the T's crossed and and I have it all down and it all makes sense and I believe it all. It's that I know the God that that's about. And I've watched his ways and I've seen him work in my life and I've heard what matters to him and I've seen him in others and I know him. And I've discovered that prayer is more than just me speaking to God my petitions. Now that's important. But prayer is about intention and time with God, a God who who works in my life. And I learn to know God, not just through the experiences of others or what I read in a book of theology, but I know God because I walk with God and I spend time with God and I know who he is. That's the invitation, that's the adventure, and that never ends. We cannot end our plumbing of the depths of a God who is eternal and almighty in this lifetime. And so when we say, well, I know that, I know that. Yeah, but do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know his work in your life? Not just from a long time ago, but, but, but from now. Do you hear his words of affirmation? Do you experience his challenge? Do you live the adventure? The second aspect of that adventure is that we, is that we 
God does things inside of us. Charles Bellow is a vineyard pastor in Oklahoma City. Maybe you know him. He's written a a number of books. They're actually very good. And he says, we're willing to follow God into the darkness out there. But he asks the question, are we willing to follow God into the darkness in here? It's an important question, huh? Now, I grew up in church. It was a legalistic church. And I was told that what would make God happy is if I didn't do this, and 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 I didn't do this. And then there were a few things I ought to do mainly around tithing and church attendance. Both of which, by the way, I think are really good things. So I, I, re, I learned that I had to make God happy. You know what? That's not true. God cannot love you more than he loves you right now. All of you. My favorite psalm is Psalm 139. I'm going to get ahead of myself here, sorry. And, and I, I love that psalm. I was 17. I joined the Navy. It was my way out of a broken home. I remember I was stationed in San Diego. I watched a man die. And all of a sudden at 18 years old, I'm facing mortality. You don't think about those things when you're 18. And all of a sudden it's in my face and I realized I needed to make some choices. And so I moved towards God. And I remember I would read, and my favorite verse in there was the verse where he says, where the psalmist David says, Um, Your thoughts for me, O God, are greater than the number of sand on the seashore. And I would go down to Ocean Beach or Mission Beach, and I would grab a handful of sand, and I'd start to count, and it would fall out of my hand. And and I I couldn't count. And then I'd look up the beach, and I'd realize how many grains of sand there were. And then I'd look out over the Pacific Ocean and realize that extends all the way to Asia. And I realized that what the psalmist was saying is that the thoughts of God for me are more, they're always, they cannot be counted. An 18-year-old from a broken home trying to find a way forward who had rejected the church that I grew up in and I didn't know where I was going to land and God thought about me. And it still grips me. And the psalmist says, you know everything about me before I speak the word, a good word or a harsh word. You know it. You know my thoughts before they even get to my head. God knows every aspect of you, good and bad healthy and unhealthy, and he loves you. Paul declares in Ephesians 3, we are accepted in the beloved. At the same time, God wants to change you. He wants you to follow him into the darkness of your heart, not to make us acceptable to God, but to make us people who love like God. There was a video that John Wimber, who led the vineyard in its early years, was really the founder of the vineyard as a movement. And he used to show it. It was called Viva Cristo Rey, which is Spanish. And, and he would say, this is state-of-the-art church. And, and there's a couple scenes in there that I've been thinking about recently. And it's the leader of the church. And, and at one point, he's there, and he's got this kind of disheveled hair, and he's got this kind of Texas drawl. And he says, you can't preach the good news and be the bad news. Well, you know, you can, because a lot of us do it, but you shouldn't do it. (laughs) That's the reality. 
And part of the power of Jesus, I love those opening verses of Acts chapter 1, the very first verse. O Theophilus, I write those things that Jesus did and taught. And I grew up in a home where I was told repeatedly, do as I say, not as I do. That's not our God. Our God, the words and the message and the life are related. And Jesus was good news and he preached good news. And there was no inconsistency between the two. And God invites us on a path that that becomes increasingly us so that we not only share the good news, but we are good news. And I've seen it the world over. Genu there is nothing more winsome than genuine Christianity. People living out what God's called them to do is unbelievably powerful and attractive and that's what's making the difference in the Ivory Coast. Is lives that are changed, that are introduced to a Jesus and they'll spend a night in worship and no one told them they had to because they're in love with a God who reached out to them with a message that's like no other. And Jesus invites us into a lifelong adventure not to make us acceptable, but to make us loving. And to over a lifetime close the gap so that the words we speak of good news match a life that simply by being there we bring good news. And that means change. Because when I have lust that dominates my life or anger dominates my life or greed dominates my life or harshness dominates my life or any one of those other things, it stops and hinders my capacity to love and care for people. And so God wants to deal with those things so that we're loving like he loves. So that people look at our lives and they see a glimpse of who he is. And we not only speak the good news, but we are the good news. And so he invites us into a lifelong adventure of him touching the ever deeper parts of our life. Rearranging the furniture, changing who we are. So that we reflect who he is. And we really look like his daughters and his sons. And finally God invites us outward to an adventure in the world. John 5, an important passage for us in the vineyard. God is always at work, and Jesus himself says, I can do nothing of myself. I do those things I see the Father doing. If Jesus can do nothing by himself, how arrogant of me to imagine that I can do more than Jesus. But as I do what the Father does, that's when everything changes. And so he takes us out into the world. Now, there's some things that stop us from doing this, and let me highlight a couple of those before I talk to you about the way forward. So I think sometimes we disqualify ourselves. We feel the invitation of God. He's calling us to something more. And we say, well, you know, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too educated. I'm not educated enough. I'm tired. I'm blah, 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 blah. And we step back and we say, nope, nope, I'm not, I'm not qualified. Do you know the name Eugene Peterson? He's written a lot of books. He's, uh, he's the one that edited and put together the version of the Bible, the message, the paraphrase. He says this. Self-disqualification is the devil's trick. When I choose, rather than letting God choose, when I say, no, I, I'm disqualified, 
I can't do it. Rather than God saying, this is what I'm inviting into, we are tricked. It's exactly what Paul talks about. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? God picks. And I'm running out of time, and I don't have time to tell the stories, but I'll tell you the people I met around the world, God picks who God wants. And it's not who we'd expect. And the people I met around the world had never lost a sense of amazement that Almighty God would pick them from some of the most obscure places on the face of the planet and make something out of them and use them. And sometimes God does big things with people that are visible and sometimes God does small things. And that's his call. But if I disqualify myself, that's a problem. Sometimes we just stop learning and growing. Well, I know it all. I know that. I've heard that. I've heard that sermon. I've been through those books. And we stop the, we don't have the excitement. That's the kindergarten thing. I've never been more excited about what God's doing in my life and the life of others than I am right now. And I'll be 60 this year. I've been in ministry almost 40 years. I'm excited about what God's doing. God's changing me. God's working in the lives of people around me. And it's a wonderful thing to see. And some of us have given into the temptations of kind of the phase of life. And we know that when we're younger, it's passions in many, many ways. But in middle age, it's cynicism. And I've seen too much. I've seen too many things. I, I... And in old age, it's limitations. But none of those are things that we have to succumb to. So how do we get back to the beginning? Well, first of all, I want, I, want to, well, I want to suggest two things as I wind down. Number one, look again at the beginning. Having, Paul's words, Galatians 3, having begun in the Spirit, do you now imagine that you're going to finish in the flesh? And so maybe this morning, whether that's for you a week ago or a month ago or a year ago or a decade ago or half a century ago, Maybe this is the time to just to remember what those early days were like for you. And maybe with that, it's time to, to remember the verses. I met with the person that I talked to about my spiritual life last week. And sitting there in the meeting with him, it occurred to me as I thought about those verses in Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36 I alluded to. I realized that I hadn't thought about those in a long time, but those were verses that meant everything to me. And you know what? I realized as I talked with him, God hadn't forgotten those. And I cried in his office as I realized that 40 years later, what God's doing in my life now is reflected in those verses. I forgot. God didn't. And he laid a trajectory that's been consistent even when I've been inconsistent. And I wonder what those are for you. And I had a bunch of people talk to me after the service last night and they said, I'm going to go home and I'm going I'm to find my first Bible. 
Because the question is, what are those verses that you underlined, that you highlighted, that meant so much, that, that you had the excitement like my granddaughter of, of hearing something, it was the first time, like this is meaningful to you, like, like I talk about Psalm 139, I, the emotion comes back. I still can't believe that God's thoughts for me outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. What are those for you? What are those verses at the start that just excited you that you couldn't help but tell others? What was there at the beginning? What, what, was the, what were those things that, that just grabbed your attention? And maybe this morning's the time, maybe they don't come right away. Maybe you need to spend a little time. God, what were those? Help me remember again. And maybe you just need to sit with those again. And whether it's been a week or a month or a year or a decade or half a century, maybe it's time to hear again God today, February 19th, 2017. God, what are you saying to me today about those verses? And it's a return to the beginning and what the Spirit initiated and let what he did impact again. And then secondly... There's a verse in Galatians chapter 5, it's verse 25, and it gets my attention and my thought a lot these days, and it says there, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now that word in the original language, the Greek, in step, is a word that means to march, to march in conjunction with others. I told you when I was 17, I left home. It was my only way that I could figure out. And I joined the Navy, and I went to boot camp in San Diego. And thankfully, I was in the Navy, so you don't march that much. After, it doesn't really happen much after boot camp. But I'm, like, horrible at marching. Like, I have a very narrow skill set, and so I try really hard to stay within that. And I have absolutely no rhythm at all. I mean, I mean zero rhythm. I could tell you a really funny story, but I won't, about being an African-American church and being on the stage and copying, trying, to, trying to clap with everybody else and picking the one guy that couldn't clap either. And the pastor just said, A for effort, but you basically failed as a, as a rhythmic person. Yes, I needed to know that. Thank you. So when it comes to marching, you know, that, that cadence is just not natural for me. And then you may have noticed I'm a little tall. And so when you, when you march together, the short people have to take a longer stride and the tall people have to take a shorter stride. And so the stride that I had to take was not my normal stride and I felt like I was taking baby steps when I had to march. And everybody's foot has to, their right foot has to move together then their left foot has to move together and the right foot has to move together. And I remember that we were having a hard time as a company so the they call them, a, the drill instructor was a company commander in the Navy at that time. I don't know what it is now, but they tied our right legs together. And so if anybody's out of step, the whole thing collapses, like people get injured. But I had to learn to be in step with 79 other guys in my company. It didn't come naturally for me at all. And Paul says that we need to learn to be in step with the Spirit. 
And that picture is a powerful one, and it's really the opposite, the total opposite of take that hill. God says, this is where you're going. Go do that. Good luck. I hope you live. Because to stay in step is day after day, one step, one step, one step, one step, one step, one step. And the next day, one step, one step. And I remember sometimes the whole company would get out of step. And when their left foot should have been going, their right foot wasn't, so they were not in step with the other companies. And they had this command, it was change step. And we learned this little shuffle thing, that if you were moving with your right foot when it should have been your left foot, the company commander would yell, change step, hut. And on the hut, you would all shift this little shuffle, and you were back in step again. And my sense is that there's a few of us here at least that that we need to hear the command to change step. We're marching with the rest. We're going the right direction. We're showing up. We're committed. But but somehow over time the cadence has shifted and we we just need to, to make that shuffle that gets us back on. That we're really walking. When, when, when Jesus yells left, give me your left, give me your left, that, that's what's going out is our left foot. And that's the adventure. Not that God started us and abandoned us and said good luck and I'll see you in heaven and I hope you work this out. But he said learn to walk with me one step, one step, one step every day. And if you mess up and it's crazy and you have collisions with other people that are trying to, it's okay. Line up again, dress right dress, change step. But he's the one who commands. He's the one that shouts double time. He's the one that says halt. He's the one that says parade rest. He's the one that commands. And that's the adventure of the Christian life. And that's the folks I saw. I saw folks who it didn't end. I know they had detours. Of course they did. And if they were standing here, they'd probably tell all the stories of the mistakes they made. That happens. But what marked their life was they never got out of the adventure. And so Ralph Moore, 72 years old, still learning and still excited about Jesus, finishing planning another church, shifting roles, but still moving. That's what God invites us to. The adventure that began with the Spirit and can continue all the way through. All the way. I've gone longer than I should, and it's time is up, so let's pray. Will you stand with me? I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to turn it over to Danny to close us. But again, I want to invite you to, 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 to learn again to be in step with the Spirit. And part of that again is to remember the verses that made the difference. Father, we are so grateful that whether we are in process and we've just stumbled across you or we've just heard your invitation or whether we've been, we responded to that a long time ago, we recognize that that is the work of your Spirit even the interest and seeking that marked some of our lives, you, you, you elicited that, you created that, you put that hunger in us. It all started with you. 
And Father, we confess how foolish we are to imagine that we could finish what you started. We don't even know the way to go, and we sure as heck don't have the strength to do it. But you do. And so, Father, we ask, first of all, that you would remind us, whether it's a week ago or a month ago or a year ago or a decade ago or half a century ago, the words that you spoke to us at the very beginning when the work of the Spirit was most clear. Remind us, Father, remind us, remind us, bring to our minds those verses that were life to us. That inspired us and challenged us and comforted us and changed our lives. Remind us of those verses and then speak to us again from today forward what those mean to us now. We may have forgotten, but you haven't. And then, Father, help us join the cadence of your Spirit. Father, some of us need to change steps. Some of us need to jump back in. Some of us have been resting and it's time to get back on the march. Father, take us on the adventure again. Let us never lose the heart to explore. We ask those things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. How amazing it is that God invites us into into his works, his ministry, his adventures. It goes for every single one of us, finding out what he's doing and walking with him. It's just so amazing. Before we're dismissed, three things that are happening between services today I want you to know about or remember. Those of you who haven't been baptized, we have a baptism meeting. Right in, go through the, where the pastor's welcome is and follow the signs. We'll direct you back to my office between the meetings. There's also an interest meeting. We're going to be taking a Brazil trip in, I think, September, October, October? September, uh, to southern Brazil. Those of you who aren't into spiders and snakes but want to go down to southern Brazil, uh, just going to be an tr exciting trip. Michael's going to be leading that trip, and you could get more information about the Brazil trip to southern Brazil in Michael's office. Again, go into the visitor welcome, and we'll direct you to where Michael's office is. And finally, uh, we have a, a mom's group that meets here on Fridays, I believe, and they're having a little brunch. So if you are interested in finding out more about the Friday mom's group, you can go to the youth uh, room. Feel free, husbands, to join your wife for that, and you have kids, they have a nice brunch. That's right after the service today. So baptismal meeting in my office, Southern Brazil interest meeting in Michael's office, and then the brunch for the moms group, the Friday moms group. So God bless you guys. Find your adventure. Do it together. Do it uh, in just an invitation to follow Jesus. We'll see you next week. Tuesday night we have the, the next equip class of you. God bless y'all. Get a hug from Helen. <laughs>